Christians today know very little about what God has to say about finances or about possessions or about giving. In fact, listen to what one Christian author said about the topic of giving. Listen, he said in 1899, that was a little while ago, wasn't it? In 1899, when there were much fewer books being written, a bibliography on tithing and systematic proportionate giving listed over 500 books. That was 1899. Now today, even though there are thousands of books, very few books talk about giving. And those books that do talk about giving are not looking at it from the God's perspective many times, from from the Bible's perspective, but many times they're looking at it from the world's perspective. Even Bible colleges, even seminaries talk very little about money and about how to train God's people to be wise stewards of God's resources. So many pastors are not trained to deal with those things either personally in their own life, but they're also not trained to deal with those things in terms of corporately helping people as followers of Jesus grow in this area of their life. So it's no wonder that as America has gained in wealth that more and more we have given less to God and to serving others and and in the middle of that, the more we've gotten ourselves into debt. Amen? Even believers, even followers of Jesus. In other words, this is one area that we really do not know God's will for our life, but we need to change that. Amen? That's why we're here tonight to study God's Word. God, I want you to speak to every area of my life. And we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Last time we turned to the Old Testament, we turned to the book of Malachi, and we learned that tithing, which we talked about tithing is basically when God gives me increase, I give 10% of that back to God. We learned that tithing is the training wheels for giving. Tithing, tithing is the getting started point for giving as I give back to God and to His work. Well, this time we're going to turn to a passage that one author has said this about. He says, while these verses specifically deal with Paul's instruction to the Corinthians about a particular offering, and I'm just trying to give you a little background here, the Corinthians, Paul is challenging them, that the, the, the Christians in Jerusalem, kind of the mother church out of which all these other churches across the world were started, the Jerusalem church was struggling. They had suffered through a famine. They had suffered through extreme taxation by Roman governors, and they had suffered through severe persecution. And in this passage, what the Apostle Paul's doing is he's saying, listen, he's challenging these Christians who that mother church had helped give birth to. He's saying to those, uh, those uh, baby churches that have been started by the Jerusalem church, he's saying, I'm challenging you to help the mother church stay strong and be a part of God blessing them. But in the middle of that, this author says this passage provides the richest, most detailed model of Christian giving in the New Testament. That's why we're looking at it tonight. We want to talk about God's challenge for us to give the giving challenge, part two of that challenge. And first of all, these verses in 2 Corinthians challenge us. God challenges us when we're thinking about giving to his work that we should give generously. Look at verses 1 through 3. He says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you... He's transitioning. He's been talking about some other things, but now he's beginning to talk about this offering. He says, Now, brothers, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. 
that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. He says in verse 3, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave. You know, it's a funny thing about giving to the Lord and giving so that others might benefit. We all like to give a little bit, don't we? We all like to help out when we can. Isn't that what many people would say? I like to help out when I can. But I don't think that giving generously, and maybe even a, maybe even a, a, a synonym uh, that, that would be closely with that, giving generously, I don't think that giving sacrificially is something that comes natural to most of us. In other words, sacrificing myself so that others might benefit, which, by the way, is a great description of Christ, isn't it? <laughs> sacrificing myself so that others might benefit, that's not the way that Robbie... And I'm just putting myself on the spot here. Y'all can look real spiritual. But that's not the way that Robbie generally leans. I've shared with you guys before, I have a selfishness problem. And no amens from the family, all right? I do. I have a selfish, And so do you. You know, think about the average person. Most of us would say, you know what? I, I would like to help out, but I feel like I just don't have it to give. Or you think about a more well-off person. Uh, Someone who's made more, maybe has a little bit more income or resource. That person might say, you know, I worked hard for this. I'm not just going to give it away and let somebody else blow it. I've worked hard for this. But generous giving, generous living, really, maybe a better term, is the kind of life that God calls us as his people to live. Look at the words that are used in verses 1 through 3 that talk about these churches, the, the giving from these churches. It talks about the grace of God that was given to them. What he's saying is something, God blessed them in some special way. God was doing something in their heart in this giving. God gave them grace to do this. What is grace? Grace is unbelievable favor that is bestowed upon us by God. The Bible says that's what they experienced in in order to be able to be a part of this offering. God had been gracious to them. He had done something special in their lives. It says they did it in a great deal of affliction and in deep poverty. And this is something I think that we need to realize. These churches that Paul was talking about that had already given, that had already been a part of this offering, they themselves were really hurting and going through difficult times. But the Bible says that they had, in the midst of that giving, in verse 2, it says there was an abundance of joy and it overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. What is this passage saying? The people who made up these church families, and by the way, they lived in the region of Macedonia. If you go back and look at Paul's missionary journeys, this is talking about the church at Philippi. This is talking about a church in a place called Berea. This is talking about the church in Thessalonica, okay? You, you read First and Second Thessalonians. You read the book of Philippians. Those are the churches that were involved in what Paul's talking about right here. And they lived in a region that had been through a very difficult time itself. But what God, what the Apostle Paul, God says to the Apostle Paul, is these people, even though they themselves were struggling, it did not keep them from giving generously and sacrificially. In fact, it says in verse 9, they were acting a lot like their Lord. Look at verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, amen? I think he had a little bit, amen? Though he was rich, he became, yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The Bible challenges us to give generously, to give sacrificially to God 
so that others might benefit. Write down these principles. The Bible says we should do that first of all because we reap what we sow. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 specifically says this. It says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In the Bible, there seems to be a sowing and reaping principle. You can also find that in Galatians chapter 6. The Bible says if you want a big harvest, you have to sow a lot of seed. Now, let me just say this. You have to be careful because that's not only talking about money. There's many televangelists who like to use that, right? You sow a seed. There's a particular televangelist every single time. I turned it the other day. I turned it away. I came back 10 minutes later. I turned it away. I came back 7 minutes later. I turned it away. I came back 15 minutes later. And every time he said seed, sow a seed. I mean, it's like, does he have any other message? I mean, his whole message was if you basically give money, then God's going to give you a bunch of money back. Okay, well, it is true. If you sow in that way, God does sometimes give you material blessings back. But it's a whole lot more than that. The Bible promises not necessarily that if you sow a lot of seed, money, finances, that you're going to get a lot of money or finances back. That's not specifically what the Bible teaches. Sometimes God does bless us financially. Amen, anybody? Praise the Lord, he does. But it's a whole lot more than that. Write down Luke chapter 6, verse 38. The Bible says, Give, and it will be given to you. Somebody in here ought to say amen. I cannot outgive my Lord. Amen? I'm going to tell you what. He continues to amaze me. Every time I think in my little childlike trusting faith, I think I'm doing something. I think I'm really stretching out there. And the Lord just shows me, Robbie, you could have gone even a little bit farther and I still would have taken care of you. I'm learning that myself. The Bible says, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap. Friends, listen to the extravagance of our God. Read the Bible. I'm not making this up. I'm not making an idol, our own version of God. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what God's word says. They will pour into your lap a good measure. Press down. Shake it up a little bit and press it down some more and pour some more on it. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. For many of us, that, that, that phrase at the end ought to be something that just sort of stays in our mind. What is my standard of measure? I thought about this statement. If you pour out of a little cup, you have a little cup to pour into. Isn't that what the Lord says? By your standard of measure, what you're using to sow back in, to give back in, that's what—that's the capacity that you're going to have to receive back. Some people wonder why their lives are so empty. Friends, listen, there is a secret of life that is counterintuitive to us. It does not make sense to us, does it? The Bible says that your blessing in life comes by investing in the lives of others. That may be money. That may be your time. That may be your abilities, special passions or gifts or talents that you have but the bible says that's where the real blessing that's where the secret is in life john chapter 12 says unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies it's not going to do any good it's got to be dead first and then it truly experiences life amen secondly we should give generously because the way we live should reflect our lord's heart and his word Everything I do in my life ought to be in light of Jesus and the cross. Amen? And that sounds good. 
That sounds good. But I want us to think about it. Everything I do in my life ought to be in light of my Lord and what he did for us. How he would live through my life, even how I spend the resources that I have. Remember, go back to verse 9 again. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, what would he do? When he was rich, yet for, his, for our sake he became poor, so that us through his poverty might become rich. That's the heart of our Lord. Let me give you some other verses. Exodus chapter 36, verses 5 through 7. Listen to what God's word says is the heart of God through his people. When they were building the tabernacle, when Moses was leading the people to build the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was kind of a tent. There was a, it was kind of a temporary precursor to the temple, okay? When they were building that, the Bible says they challenged people to give, and they brought all the resources that they needed. And it says that the workers came to Moses and said, the people are bringing much more than enough for the work which the Lord commanded us to perform. And they basically said, make an announcement, put it on Facebook, put on the church sign, nobody bring anything else. That was the heart of God's people. Extravagant, isn't it? Overboard. That's the heart of God through his people. They wanted to bring as much as they could. And, and friends, listen, I can't even give you all the passages tonight because there's so many of them. I'm going to, write, I'm going to, I'm going to get you to write them down. Ezra chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And 1 Chronicles chapter 29, both are passages. Actually, they're specifically passages. 1 Chronicles 29 was when David was working with Solomon to build that first temple. And Ezra chapter 1 was when they were coming back to Jerusalem out of bondage or out of uh, um, being uh, dispersed in Persia. When they came back from Persia, they were rebuilding the temple. And both of those, the Bible says they just brought so much. It was, it was just extravagant. They just, just, their heart was poured out in serving the Lord in this way generosity first chronicles chapter 21 verse 24 david talks about this in first chronicles 21 verse 24 david was going to give an offering and when the guy heard what david was doing he was uh, using some uh, a facility of a guy here you, you can read the passage when the guy heard what david was doing he said listen i'll provide all the resources for you to make your sacrifice and for you to worship and this is what david says He says, I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord or offer a burnt offering which costs me nothing. Are you hearing the heart of God through his people? David wanted to sacrifice. Do you hear that? He wasn't just a glutton for punishment or wanting to make his life hard. David was saying he had a desire in his heart to sacrifice. That's how much he loved the Lord. Write down 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Again, talking about generosity. The Bible says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. The Bible says that God wants His people to be generous and sacrificial. By the way, on that note, on that giving generously idea, I had somebody come up to, to me after the message last time, and, and they said, do you feel good about saying to people, if you give like this, that God will bless you? And I said, well, no, I don't feel good about it. If it was my word, I wouldn't feel good about it. But I feel real good about his word. Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. I mean, you can't get any more specific and direct and that listen to what what we said last he said bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this as the lord of hosts see if i won't 
See if I won't open up for you the windows of heaven. And guys, this week, I, I kind of read over that last week as I was reading through it. But this week, God just brought to my mind, listen to this. We ought to have a skit sometime with this. I'd love to see this as a skit, as a drama. He says, test me now on this if I will not. And I just got this image in my mind of God opening his windows at his house. And just taking a bucket. See. Test me now on this if I will not. Now, I just got this image in my mind this week. The Lord said, just try me. And he leans over his window and he just starts pouring out the blessings. Isn't that an amazing image? The extravagance of our God. And that's the way we ought to be. Our heart as his people, that we want to reflect that. This person also said to me, are you, are you sure tithing is for us? Again, there are people that want to drive that point. But I want to ask you a question. Are you really comfortable with that? You might want to stick to tithing. Because tithing actually really may not go far enough. The New Testament says that we should follow Jesus' example. What's Jesus' example? He became poor so that we might be rich. What does that say? He hurt so that others might be better. I'm going to be honest with you. Most Americans could tithe with little adjustment. We, I mean, we would have to make some in our mind sacrifice, but, but most of us could find a way to get to that point. I think the grace life, the people who make that point, I think the grace life takes us farther than that. And so here's, here's what I'd say to you. I've got to challenge you, okay? I love you, but I've got to challenge you. If you don't like tithing, you may not want to push that point too much. Because if you take tithing out and go with grace, it might take you farther than 10%. The Bible says the New Testament way is, guess what? 100. 100% is God's. And I come back off of that. Amen? That's the perspective. As a follower of Jesus, God says to us, it's all, it's all, it's all His, and we want to be generous and sacrificial in serving others. Secondly, He says that we should give willingly. Based on what we read in this passage, we might even say we should give eagerly. Look at what it says in verses uh, 3 through 5. It says, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. The Bible says these people that the Apostle Paul is using as an example to the Corinthians. He says they, they gave of their own accord. What does that mean? They gave how? Voluntarily, right? They gave willingly. They gave of their own free choice. They wanted to give. And actually, it went beyond that. He says they were begging us with much urging. And actually, I love the phrasing in this passage. I mean, it's kind of hard to bring out, but I'm going to do the best that I can. He actually says... They were begging us with large encouragement. Okay, it's, it's a word that means to challenge or to encourage someone. There was a lot of that. They were asking, they were wanting, they were begging us to be. And, and I thought to myself, why were they begging? Maybe the Apostle Paul said, hey, you guys are kind of going through a rough time, so, you know, you guys get an exemption. And many people, if they heard you get an exemption, would say what? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. We don't have to worry about that. But hear the heart of God's people. They wanted to be a part of it. Listen, they begged for the favor of participation in support of the saints. Literally, it says this. 
they begged for the grace of the fellowship of deaconing God's people. Every one of those are very important words. They begged us for the grace, for the God's doing us a favor to let us be a part of it. That's what they were saying. They begged us for to, 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 that God would do them a favor of letting them be a part of, of the fellowship. That means we're together. They said, you know what? These are our brothers. These are our sisters. This is God's work. We're, we're united on this thing. They begged us that God would give them the favor of allowing them to be a part of connecting, of uniting with those other people. And deaconing is actually the word that's used there. We would say of serving. They wanted to serve God's people, the saints. And I think in verse 5, what, Apostle, what the Apostle Paul is saying, and this not as we had expected, he said, and I think, I think what he's saying there is that we didn't put any burden on them. We didn't put any expectation. This actually surprised us. We didn't expect them to do anything, but they gave themselves to the Lord, and then after they gave themselves to the Lord, that's when they were convinced that they should do this. And they gave themselves to us. All throughout this passage, you get the idea that these people really saw this as a privilege and they didn't want to miss it. You don't pick up anything negative. It's not reluctantly. It wasn't begrudgingly. They didn't feel obligated. They weren't guilted into it. They weren't coerced. It was a personal decision that they were glad to make. In fact, write down these passages. Those passages I mentioned earlier, Exodus 36 and verse 2 the Bible says that the people who gave so generously, they were people who God had stirred their heart to give. It wasn't because they felt guilty or it wasn't because they felt like they had to, but God had truly stirred their heart. They wanted to. They, they, they wanted to do that. In, in, in Ezra chapter 1, verse 5, it's the same thing. It says they, it was all the people that God had stirred their heart. There was something in their heart that says, I want to be a part of this. First Chronicles 29, verse 14 I'll, I'll go ahead and read that one. Listen to what David said. <clears throat> David says, uh, when they were uh, building the temple or preparing to build the temple, he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? When David was giving, this is right after last week I mentioned to you about David and some of the leaders leading by example and saying, here's what we're going to do, okay? After they did that and after the people gave, he says, who are we that we should be able, that we should be given the opportunity? It says, for all things come from you and from your hand we have, uh, and from your hand we have given you. What is David saying? He says, God, you know what? Well, we feel good about this, but this is such a privilege because this was all yours anyway. I mean, really? If you think about it, we're just, when we give to God's work, we're just giving Him what He already had. So in a sense, it's kind of strange, isn't it? David says, you know what, God, I realize this was yours anyway. But I thank you for the ability that you gave me to be a part of that. You gave willingly. As someone said, listen, voluntary heart-led, love-motivated giving that did not begin in the New Testament. There is a misnomer that the Bible, the Old Testament is all judgment, and that the New Testament is all grace. Well, guess what? Read the Old Testament, there's a lot of grace in there. And read the New Testament, there's a lot of judgment there. It, it's not true. 
Now, I understand that there, there's the old covenant, there's a new covenant, and there's distinctions in how God was dealing with Israel and then how, how God's working through the church. I understand that. But I think that many times we, we begin to think about God differently. He was different in the Old Testament than he was in the New Testament. No, there was that heart for God. There was that love for him there in his people. And giving in the Bible is a joyful response to all that God has done for you. With all that God has done for me, I pray that I could be a small part of reflecting him in the life of someone else. And that's a privilege. In fact, so critical is this point about giving willingly that I would just say this. If there is someone that doesn't want to give to God's work, don't give. God doesn't want our money. It's his anyway, isn't it? He doesn't want our money. What does he want? I should say, who does he want? He wants us, doesn't he? And if we can't give out of love for him and out of love for others, then then I kind of get the impression that he would just say, don't give. In fact, he told them in the Old Testament, there were several things. He says, keep your sacrifices, keep your offerings, because your heart is far from me. It's not, it's not from your heart if you can't give willingly. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. He says, each one must do just as he purposed in his heart. That word purposed actually means out from his heart. Okay? Each one must do as it comes out from our hearts. Because God loves, have you ever heard this verse? God loves a cheerful giver. Did you know actually the word for cheerful there is the word that we get our word hilarious? from are you seeing the extravagance again when we're talking about god he's an extravagant overboard he he wants his people to be excited about and desiring to be a part of his work and again i love you i want to be gentle in saying this but i want to say that i want to challenge you tonight if there's someone here who doesn't like to talk about giving there's probably two reasons for that Okay, number one, it's possible that money is an idol in your life that you don't want to let go. If that's true, then that's something that I need to deal with tonight. Somebody says, well, it's not an idol for me. Well, if it's not an idol, why does it get special treatment? Why, Why is God able to go in every other area of my life, but if he goes over there, if anybody goes over there, that, that place is different. Why would I say to God, don't go there? The second reason, I believe that many people struggle with this, is they honestly, they don't trust their church. And that's a question that you've got to ask. If you wonder if your church has ulterior motives, that's a problem, isn't it? If you, you've got to trust tonight that, listen, that... When your church talks about these kind of things, that it's not because of some other motive or some other reason, but it's truly for teaching God's word to to God's people and helping us to grow together. Okay? If that's the case tonight, then I shouldn't be worrying about, is somebody wanting my money? That shouldn't be the question. The question tonight is, what is God trying to say to me? Amen? Now, if you can't trust the church that you're a part of, that's another issue, isn't it? If you honestly cannot trust the church that you're a part of and you're wondering about their motives, then maybe that's saying, I'm in the wrong church. If I cannot trust 
where they're guiding me. Giving is fun. It says God loves a hilarious giver. It's fun, amen? I could give you many examples of the joy that it brings to our hearts when we give. The very first soccer clinic that we ever had, I remember standing over there, over there by where the coffee makers are, and I remember us talking about, you know what, we would really love to give these kids free t-shirts. There was just one problem. We didn't have any money to give them free t-shirts. And I stood with some of our leaders and some other volunteers from different areas that were there with us. And I said, guys, we've got a decision to make. We're going to step out in faith here and say we're going to trust God to provide those t-shirts. Or we're going to say, you know what, we just can't afford that. Well, I'm sorry. I couldn't stand to think about those kids leaving without a free t-shirt. I wanted them to have one. And I believe the Lord wanted them to have one. So I said, guys, you know, can we trust the Lord? They said, absolutely, Pastor Robbie. After we broke from that meeting, one of the guys who was from a different church who I hardly knew walked up to me and said, Pastor Robbie, you don't know me very well, but my dad's fairly well off, and I'm going to pay for those T-shirts. Isn't that awesome? It was fun. Handing out T-shirts. Here, buddy. What do you got a small? What do you got a medium? And those little smiles. I love to see the kids walking out the back door, and they can't even hold the stuff. They got a trophy, they got a soccer ball, they got a Bible, they got a t-shirt. That's fun, amen? For somebody to say, and people do this. And we're not going to tell you every time somebody does this because a lot of times it's just between them and the Lord. That's the way they want it. That's a a true giver. That's the way they want it. I just want God to get the glory out of this. But I want to just tell you some of the, in general, not specific situations. We've had people come to us and say, Pastor Robbie, I cannot go to Thailand this year, but it's not because of the money. I've got the money. So I'm going to give 100%. I'm going to give the $2,000 that it costs for a person to go. I'm going to give that. Would you divide it up amongst the people that are going? I say, this is fun. We can eliminate people's concern. Amen? I love for people to say, you know what? In every other way, I feel like I ought to go except for the money. I said, then we're good. Because where God guides, he provides. Amen? Isn't it fun when... Somebody calls the church and says, you know what, is there anybody that needs help? There's a family maybe that needs their heat to stay on. And we're able to say to them, hey, why don't you call the company, find out the details, because we're going to send some money to get you through another month. Isn't that fun? (laughs) It is fun. I just smile and say, praise the Lord. Thank you, God. I applaud you because you are a, a generous God and you're showing yourself through your people. The Bible says we should give generously, we should give willingly, but listen... I like this in verse 7. Boy, Paul, he kind of pushes a little bit. He says, give as proof that you are truly growing in the Lord. Look at verse 7. I think it's very interesting what Paul says in verse 7. He says, but just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. Let me give you a little background information. The Corinthians were good talkers. And they struggled with pride, especially in spiritual things. Read 1 Corinthians. If you read 1 Corinthians, you need to have that context. Here's a group of people who struggle with spiritual pride. So they were the kind of people... Have you ever met anybody that thought and told you that they were spiritually mature? 
You ever had anybody? I have. I'm a pastor, so I meet lots of people. I have people who tell me they're proud of how humble they are. Seriously. I had somebody, I had somebody a couple of weeks ago tell me they couldn't believe how humble they had become. Okay, the Corinthians were like that. They liked to talk, but they didn't always live it. So Paul says to them, just as you abound, I mean, it's overflowing. It's the word parasua. It's when Jesus said, I came to give you life and life overflowing. He says, just as you're overflowing, you're spilling over in every other area. He says, you're spilling over in faith. They were doing great at trusting God. You're spilling over at speaking for God in word. You're spilling over in knowledge, at understanding God's word. You're spilling over in earnestness and a desire to honor God. Now, just as a side note, either the Apostle Paul was truly complimenting them. Man, I am impressed. Y'all have really grown. Or he could have been just kind of going along with their perspective. In other words, if someone were to ask you about your spiritual growth, you would say, the Corinthians would have said, I've grown a lot. Okay, so from their perspective, they had grown a lot. I'm not sure which he's saying, but he was saying this. If that is the case, if you have truly grown in trusting God, if you have truly grown in speaking for God, if you have truly grown in understanding about God, if you have truly grown in a desire to honor God, he says you also need to grow in this area. Especially, listen to this. Look at verses 10 and 11. He says, I give my opinion on this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it, but now finish doing it also, so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may also be the completion of it by your ability. That's a long and diplomatic way of saying, this was your idea in the first place. What the Apostle Paul was saying was, either the Corinthians were the ones, listen, listen to this, wouldn't this be interesting? Either they were the ones who came up with the idea of the Jerusalem offering, but had not yet come through yet. Or when the idea came up, they were the first ones to say, we want to do that. When all the churches were meeting, you know, or when they were finding out, we want to do that. And the Apostle Paul said, you guys were really excited about this a year ago. But I haven't seen it yet. So just as you're growing in all these other areas, you need to put your money where your mouth is. That's what Paul was saying to them. They they felt really good about where they were with God, but they needed to step up in this way. How many of us, honestly, backing off of that, kind of challenging the pride part, let's, let's just even think about this from a not bragging point of view. How many of us would just honestly say, not bragging, but just honestly, you would say, I've grown a lot in the last six months, in the last year, in the last couple of years of my life. You know what? There's some people here who have never <clears throat> been to church in your life till you started coming to New Hope. And God's growing you, isn't he? He's teaching you. You're learning things. I never knew this before. I never read the Bible. I never had anybody teach me the Bible. I've never been involved with <clears throat> people who are uh, seeking to serve God and love him. And so praise God, you're growing. There may be some of us, that, you know what? You've been a believer for a while, for many years. But, you know, you'd say, you know, I have grown a lot. It's very possible that many of us who've grown in many other areas have not yet stepped out in this area. And Paul's challenge is this. If you are truly growing in the Lord, give evidence of that also in this area.
By the way, based on what we've seen in God's word, I would say this. Because people ask, and so I want to be kind of specific here. Start with tithing. By faith, give the minimum that God required of his people. If you're going to grow, grow into more as God leads you, as God guides, as he provides. Don't grow into tithing. Remember what we said? There are people that would say, oh, I'm going to start with this or I'm going to start with that. And I know there's different philosophies, there's different viewpoints. You'll hear other pastors say other things. I'm just saying from what I see in God's word, the tithe wasn't something we gave. The tithe is something we did what? Paid. That's what we ought to give to God. And then we grow beyond that. I'm going to just tell you something. If you're waiting till you can, you never can. And by the way, Research shows that the more people make, the less they give. So it's, it's not true. It's not true if I made more that I could give more. That's not what the Bible, that's not what experience seems to indicate. You'll never make enough to feel comfortable with trusting God. Just do it. Just trust him. So Pastor Robert, that's risky. Well, if you think a promise backed by God is risky, to take but remember Malachi 3 just try me that's the giving challenge try me test me now on this if you're here tonight and you would just say boy you know I can't wait till Pastor Robbie's through with this series because I just don't think money I just don't think money is really important you know to my spiritual life have you been listening to God's word And let me just share this with you. I have never thought about this before until actually, it was either last night or this morning. As I was preparing to share here with you tonight, the Lord spoke to me about something I've never thought about. Most of the stories in my life where I had to trust God and where I saw Him come through amazingly had to do with money. Had to do with finances in some way. And I thought about that. I'm like, Lord, because many times when I tell people about how God's provider, how he's worked in my life, many times those are money stories. I could tell you story after story where God has amazingly provided for us over the years. And and, and I got to think about that. You know what? That's why the enemy tries to say hands off to this one. Because he knows that this is one of the areas that keeps us from God's blessing and God's provision in our life. And because we're bowing up to it, we're not hearing what God's trying to say. We're missing out on stories of faith. God wants to stretch you tonight. And friend, listen, God's stretching me. I'm asking God to help me to do and to give and to sacrifice in my life, in our family, more than we ever have before. And you know what? I'm not happy about even that. Because I have a feeling that as God leads us, somehow I can readjust my life. That God could use me even more. That's the place we ought to be. Always, God, just help us to stay tender, to stay teachable. But I want to challenge you tonight, wherever you're at with this. Because some of us, we've taken some steps and we feel good about them. Don't feel good about it. Take another step. Some of us have never taken that step. And it's scary, isn't it? Especially in this one. This is a rubber meets the road issue, isn't it? I remember when Shannon and I moved to North Carolina, I remember the Lord speaking to my heart. I had been riding her dad's coattails of his faith up until that point. 
And I remember God saying, Robbie, now it's time for you to step out. And I could tell you some stories. And guess what? They involve money. How God provided for us and gave us a house and gave us a job and all these things and set his path for our lives. All these things, but it starts with a step. Amen? Your step doesn't have to be my step. My step doesn't have to be your step. You ask God tonight, Lord, what are you doing in my heart? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 and 23, tithing and giving. Go back and read those verses. God gave it to his people so that we would discipline ourselves to fear God and to trust him always. 1 Timothy 6, verse 19 says, when we begin to give generously in our lives, that's when we truly take hold of life indeed. There's a secret to the Christian walk that many Christians are not willing to receive. And tonight, I want to challenge you. Is God giving you that challenge? And will you take it tonight? As I shared last time, what it really comes down to is trust, isn't it? It's really trust. And tonight, I want to ask you, do you trust Jesus Christ? Somebody came to me a few weeks ago and said, Pastor, I mean, I'm really thinking about this. I prayed to accept Jesus as my Savior. I said the sinner's prayer, the prayer of salvation years ago, but I don't know if I've ever really trusted Jesus. And I said, well, you need to think about that because that's really what it's all about. Have you said, I'm putting my life in your hands, God, and if you don't come through, I'm in trouble. And I'm not talking about money now. I'm talking about salvation. Tonight, if you were to stand before God and give an account for your life, would you be unprepared because you're trusting in someone or something other than Jesus Christ? That's the real issue tonight. Money just, money just brings it up to the surface. I'm not trusting God with my life. If that's you tonight, God's calling you. Forget about the finances. You need a Savior, first of all. Would you bow with me as we think about what God's saying to us tonight? I'm going to let you just kind of spend some time with the Lord for just a moment. Just with our heads bowed. And just talk to the Lord. If you're struggling with something he said in his word tonight, be honest with him. Lord, I, that's hard for me. Or I don't understand that. Or God, teach me. Or God, I know this is true, but it's hard for me to receive it. Grow me tonight, Lord. Would you just come as his child tonight and just say, God, just have mercy upon me. Be gracious to me. Help me tonight to grow. Speak to me, Lord. Your servant is listening. If you do not know for certain that Christ is your personal Savior, tonight would you say to him, Jesus, I believe tonight, I trust you. I invite you to come into my life to forgive me for all that I've done wrong, to wash my sins away and be my Savior.
I want to trust you. I want to follow you in every area of my life. I give it all to you tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you for teaching us tonight. I pray that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, dig down into the depths of each one of our hearts. Lord, let there not be one door closed in in the home of our heart. I pray that you have access to every room whether it's what we've specifically talked about tonight or maybe something totally different. Help us to trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight is God speaking to you. Hey, you know what? I mentioned trust. One of the reasons I'm so sensitive about this topic and really everything we do here at New Hope, I am so sorry that church has burned people so many times. And I ask you to pray for us. Pray that we'll do right. Pray that our motives will be pure. Pray that we'll be the people of God. Pray that we'll just teach God's people and do God's work. Amen. I am so sorry if somebody here tonight is just struggling, not because they don't believe God's word, but just because they've had such junk in the past. Maybe you just need to say to God tonight, God, help me to cut through all that. Whatever it is tonight. Would you just come to the Lord with a pure heart, tender heart tonight, and let him speak to you?